We are getting into our study on the armor of God. And so let's turn, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And verses 10, we're going to read all the way 10 through 17. We started on this last week and I'm going to just keep going till the time's up. Chapter 6 verse 10, it says, finally, I'm reading from the NIV. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. A simple reading of this text should makes it pretty clear, actually, that we are participants in a spiritual battle. We don't get to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else fight. No, we are part of a battle. The whole world is our battleground. The whole world is our battleground, excuse me. The whole world is a battleground and of course the key players are God and Satan. The demonic forces are fallen angels versus God and the good. And we know only a third of them are bad. Two thirds are on the good side, right? That's what the Bible talks about. When, devil, when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. But we cannot be unaware of the battle. Because we are engaged in a spiritual battle, a serious spiritual battle, every single day of our lives. Amen. It's a real battle. Again, again, it's just so uh, lost in today's church sometimes when we talk about the spirit realm with the spiritual battle against wickedness and the battle against good. Please understand, the devil has one scheme, one idea, one goal to destroy everything that God created. And he does and does whatever he has to do to make that happen. And of course, he uses deception as his number one tool. But he's trying his very best to destroy what God meant for good. Please do not be unaware of this battle, I was talking to a friend of mine who watched the sermon online and he had so many questions. This is not, and I kept, at the end of it, it's for us, I think, it's 
a lot of people nowadays, it's this fantasy land. It's like this battle from Lord of the Rings that doesn't really exist in the real world. And many of these, like I said, many of us younger people, especially we just assume and we go that way. You know, we understand it in those terms versus understanding, no, this is not something that just happens in Hollywood or in our imagination. It is real, happening around us all the time. And we as Christians need to be aware of that. And we have a part to play in that. So let us not be naive, naive about the reality of this battle. We need to take seriously what Paul is saying when he says it's not against flesh and blood. It's against something that is way more powerful than human beings are. It is more powerful than human beings. We battle spiritual beings, demons, wickedness, people who are controlled by evil himself, the devil himself. And so that is reality church that is not fantasy and as we come to the armor of god it's it's interesting to know and i shared this on wednesday too paul's imagery i mean you get it he's been in prison two years and he's chained handcuffed if you want to use that to a roman soldier 24 7 so he's right by a person and this roman soldier wasn't he was dressed up as a soldier And so the imagery is easy for Paul to write. He's looking at the soldier sitting with him 24-7 for two years. And that's why he's easily translating it into the spiritual realm using what the soldier, Roman soldier beside him is wearing. And so you can see how easily he makes that uh, that distinction. Every believer is a soldier. Every believer is a soldier. We are all called to battle. It's a draft that we cannot avoid. When you accept Christ as your Savior, it's a battle. Like I said, it's a draft that none of us can avoid. We're fighting an enemy that we cannot see, an enemy that we cannot touch, an enemy that we cannot outsmart on our own. That's why we need the protection. That's why we need the strength. That's why we need the wisdom that is beyond us that comes from God himself. And we rely on God to fight the battle. We rely on God to fight the battle. And that's why I think Paul has set it up all the way in Ephesians 6. But all through chapter 1, 2, and 3, he tells us everything we have in Christ. Hey, take all that we know now that you know all these blessings, the inheritance you have in Christ in the heavenly realms. Now take that. Take that. And now, still, you need the Holy Spirit to fight. You still need the power that comes from God to fight this fight. And please understand, and I think this was one of the questions we talked about with my friend. Please understand the context of this passage, this battle is not about, especially in Ephesians 6, it's not about losing our salvation. That's not what he's talking about right here. He's not talking about losing our salvation, but what he's talking about is an everyday battle that believers face. A battle that can easily rob us of our joy, rob us of our peace, rob us of the blessings of God, and rob us of our effectiveness in pursuing and pushing forward the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. It's a battle that we can lose and live a life not to the fullest that he intended for us. 
That's what he's talking about right there. We are going to win the ultimate battle because Christ has already won that battle. But we can lose daily battles if we don't equip ourselves and put on the armor of God. That's what he's talking about here. Just to summarize this real quick. We are soldiers in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. And because of that, we need a spiritual armor. Because we cannot fight a spiritual battle with earthly strength. Now we know that. And then he says what? Stand firm. Stand firm. We talked about this last time. He's talking about standing firm. is about resisting the enemy. It's about not giving up ground. And as I was studying it uh, for uh, this week, I came across this, and I, it really kind of sunk home, sunk, sunk in for me, I guess. He says, yes, the armor is meant for defense, but it is on the offensive side that we are standing. Think about that. It kind of really made sense the more I thought about it. Because we are not defending because we are all beaten up and now we have retreated into the city gates, into the walls of the city. The enemy has surrounded us and laid siege and now he's just attacking us. That's not the defense he's talking about at all. We're standing firm because we have gone into enemy territory. We've taken some ground and now we're standing to not give it up. Christ, with his strength, we've invaded into the dark side. And now we stand firm to not give it up. So our defense is on the offensive side, if that makes sense. Like I said, we are gaining ground because the Bible says the kingdom of God is what? Advancing. It is advancing. We're not retreating. It is advancing. And we stand firm so we don't give up ground. We're not retreating. We're not retreating. But we're standing firm. Defending positions we have won in enemy territory. Stand firm. Again. Don't go Lord of the Rings on me or all this kind of stuff. No. But we are invading the kingdom of darkness and is, is reality. It is reality. That's why he's attacking. That's why if we were just staying in our own corner, I'm pretty sure he'd leave us alone. It's because we are taking up what God has called us to do, participating in advancing the kingdom of God. And that's why he attacks us. That's why we need the armor of God to protect us. And to defend us. Put on the armor of God. And stand firm. Again as we prepare for the battle. The four things. And this is not limited uh, to the four that I have here. Four things to keep in mind. To keep in mind. <clears throat> four things to keep in mind. Number one. Realize that Christ has already dealt. The defeating blow to Satan. He's already dealt. A defeating blow to Satan. Christ has already defeated him. As we get ready and equip ourselves and put on the armor of God. Bear in mind that Christ has already dealt the defeating blow. 1 John 3 verse 8 says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Again Hebrews 2.14 it says he came to destroy him who had the power over death. He has beaten him already. That happened at the cross and when he rose from the dead. That blow was already dealt. So that's the first thing to remember as you suit up. Number two, remember, and this most of the New Testament recognizes, that that same power 
that Jesus used to beat him now dwells in us. We just talked about it in Ephesians. So as you suit up for battle, remember Christ has won the victory. That power with which he beat the enemy, that same power dwells richly in us. When we are saved, we receive the Spirit of God. And that's the same Spirit, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The third thing we need to remember as we prepare for battle, as we put on the armor is... Don't give him an opening because all he needs is a crack and he will exploit it. Your enemy is what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. As one person wrote, you do not want to give him a place, a foothold. We need to be aware of where he's coming from. So bar the door, close the windows, bolt all the locks. Make sure you're not ignorant of his devices because he knows your weakness and he's coming to exploit that weakness. So stand firm. Christ has won that victory. That same power that gave Christ the victory lives in us. And now he says, number three was what? Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Resist the enemy. Resist him as much as you can in your power, but also in the power that comes from Christ. Number four, and I think this is really important as we, as we get ready, as we equip ourselves for battle, we've got to have the right mindset, and that is taking every thought captive to Christ. That is getting our minds renewed by the word of God. Getting our minds renewed by the word of God. Getting our minds controlled by the word of God. There are no shortcuts to effective, victorious Christian living church. There are no shortcuts. We have to have our mind renewed by the word of God and controlled by the word of God in the way we think. Because that's where the first battle is. Remember, Christ won the victory. Remember, that same power lives within you. Do not give him a foothold and let your mind be renewed by the word of God. Now, as we put on the armor, let's look at the first one. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. The first thing you'd notice, I mean, one of the things you'd notice about a Roman soldier as he prepared for battle... Is the belt, or some people say it's just a sash, whatever. But the idea was, again, the Roman soldiers back then, like most of the men, wore these long tunics. You know, they wore those tunics, and, and they had basically, it's two arms. You always, you always bring those out for Christmas and Easter when you do those plays. You know, there's two holes, they're like three holes, two for your hands and one for your head. That's it. Yeah. But that's what it was. And normally you put it on and it's right at the knees or right a little below the knees. But that's the idea. That's why they had it. But he always, the Roman soldier always had a belt on or a sash, if you want to call it that. Because when he was ready to go, he would tuck it into his belt. He tuck it into his belt, tuck it into his sash, whatever. Remember, you are, it's just, I was laughing, I was just thinking about it. And me, of course, with my mind going crazy. 
You don't want a guy with a long tunic trying to fight hand-to-hand combat. That's what it was, basically. You weren't shooting from one end to the other. You were fighting actively, hand-to-hand combat. You don't want that guy yanking that tunic off, right? You don't want that to happen. Nothing of that sort. You don't want any loose... Just think, imagine, you know, you're trying to go on this whole thing. It's just swinging in the air. You're trying to swing the your sword and getting stuck somewhere. You don't want that to happen. That's why they had the belt. You tucked in loose ends, and that's exactly what you got to do. If you have loose ends in your life, the enemy is going to take that, hold you down, and pin you down with that. You got to tuck it in. Get your life together. Amen. That's what the belt is for. The whole idea is to tuck your belt, tuck your stuff in, tuck the loose sides in, because then you can move fast. You need speed. You need to have that agility. So you take care of the loose ends. That's why you gather your belt. And the idea here of the belt is prepared. Be prepared. Be ready for battle. Be alert for battle. That's the idea of the belt. The Roman soldier's belt, again, made out of leather. And most often made out of leather. Sometimes of this really uh, thick piece of linen, I guess. But they would, like I said, around his waist. Uh, and then on the belt, very often is his weapons supporting whatever his sword, his bow, or his arrows, whatever. But also on that belt, very often they had, you know, you talk about a notch on the belt. That's where you get the idea from. On that belt, it also had marks of the number of battles he won. or You know, that kind of stuff. So you had those, those were identifying marks, symbols of battle. But the whole idea again there is being ready for battle, being prepared for battle. It's like someone said, it's a fitting combination that Paul is talking about right there when he talks about the belt, because the belt talks about preparedness, being ready. It's the same phrase. It's kind of interesting as you're studying and looking at the Greek. It's the same exact phrase that Peter uses. So turn with me to First Peter 1.13. It's the same exact phrase. Here he says, put on the belt in Ephesians. We translate it as put on the belt. But it's the same exact phrase in First Peter 1.13 where it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. It's the same Greek word. Same Greek sentence right there. So the idea of putting on, I know the KJV, the girding your loins, the idea is to be alert, to be ready. And that's what it meant when you had your belt on. You were like, I am ready for battle. That's what the point was. I am ready for battle. Be alert, it says, and fully sober. You can't be drunk if you're getting ready for battle. You've got to be ready with the right mindset to get to battle. And that's what he's talking about. Pull in all the loose ends in your life and be all in, committed to it. And that's what he's talking about. The belt. And what's the belt about? It's truth. Put on the belt of truth. The Greek word again is aletheia. It's a really interesting word because again, it stands for the truth. Okay? So the belt is the belt of truth. The definite article is not there at that point of time. But again, yes, the truth. We stand for the truth. We will always stand for the truth. We're not compromising the truth. The word of God is the truth. We're not going to change that. But what Paul is talking about here in this passage is not about the truth, but it's living a truthful, sincere life. That's what he's talking about. So when you put on the belt, 
You're sincere in your commitment to fighting this battle. That's what he's saying. You put on the belt because now you're saying, hey, God, I'm all in for this battle. The word there is sincerity when it comes to truth. It's talking about sincerity. You've got to be all in. I think way too many Christians live lives, you know, like it's just like all settling for whatever will happen will happen, but are not sincere about the fight or winning the fight. You know, we talk about it and you read about it so many times. I mean, you have these two people, they have this coalition, they go for war, but they see that they are losing, and this guy says, hey, it's not my battle anyway, and he walks away. You know, and then the guy who's really struggling ends up losing because the enemy is too strong. And I think that's the idea that I have sometimes when I think about Christians. They're like, yeah, I'll get ready for war, yeah, battle, let's go for the battle, but if it's too hard, I'll just step back and quit. That's not the point. The point of the belt of truth is that you are fully committed to fighting this battle. So we've got to ask ourselves when we live our lives every day, are we fully committed to fighting the spiritual battle? Or are we saying, ah, it's okay. You know, a little of this is okay in my life. A little that is okay. That's not what he's talking about. You've got to be fully, sincerely, totally committed to the battle. Now, are you committed to the battle? That's the question. Again, yes, the truth, we will never compromise the truth. We will never change the truth to fit our own agenda. But what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 6 is a total commitment to the battle. When you put on the belt, you're saying, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. Are we ready to do that in our spiritual everyday lives? Are we willing and ready and committed to doing that? Are we seriously committed to the battle? Yes, we believe the truth. But are we going to fight for that truth right now? Committed, truthfulness, sincerity, integrity, a true dedication to the battle. True dedication to the battle. We've got all the loose ends pulled up. Tucked into our belt, our stash, that hold our weapons, and like every soldier, now we have a real commitment. Okay, now I'm ready. Tell me, God, tell me what to do. We are ready, committed to battle if we have not counted the cost. I don't say that Jesus said that. If you are really ready for the battle, you've got to be ready to count the cost. Count that cost. Count the cost. You don't go to war unless you count the cost. Unless you count the cost. And again, we're not talking about advancing the gospel. We're talking about defending ourselves from the enemy's attack. I wrote this down. We will never win a spiritual battle that comes to our lives day by day against a formidable enemy unless we're totally committed to fighting that battle. If we are not committed to that battle, we'll never win that battle. We will never win the battle. If you're just going to flop your way through your Christian experience, you, are, you will be a consistent loser. I know it sounds harsh, but that's the truth. 
If you're content with all the loose ends in your life and just saying, hey, that's just me, I can't be perfect. If you're content with your lack of a meaningful prayer life, if you're content with your lack of interest in corporate worship, if you're content with your small understanding of a great God because you don't want to discipline your life to spend time in his word, you will lose the battle. Are you all in or not? That's what he's saying, put on the belt. You want to put on the belt? Of truth, it's a total commitment to the battle. You're not going to win a battle if you are not committed to it. I mean, that's what I mean. It's the same thing. Hebrews 12, another analogy. What about a runner? A guy who runs a race does not wear a winter, a thick winter coat to run that race, because he knows if he wants to win, what does he have to do? Throw away things that hinder him and slow him down. If we are not committed, if we are not committed to doing that, we're never going to win the battle. Never going to win that battle. How badly do you want to be, to win your everyday battle? How badly do you want to win that everyday battle? Again, I might sound a little negative here, but I'm convinced a lot of Christians, a lot of I shouldn't say Christians, a lot of people who sit in churches today settle. For what is not God's best because they are not committed to the battle. They are settling for not living with the joy, the peace, the rest that comes in Christ. The blessings of Christ. They are willing to settle without all that and just say, hey, this is my lot. It is not your lot. It is the choice you are making to not be ready for battle. How badly do you want to win that battle? I mean, think about it. If... uh, you have these guys who come to our school all the time to Timberview and they recruit. You know these recruiters who come. I can imagine them sitting there and like, hey, they're recruiting for the army and you go sign up. And they say, okay, can you fit that into your week, you know? Make time for us once in a while. And if you want to wear that uniform, if you want to. No, they own you. You sign that line, you, they own you. Now, why do we play around games thinking that the spiritual battle is anything different? It's all out commitment. They give you two hours of sleep, you sleep two hours. You wake up when they tell you to wake up. Are we committed enough? Or do we, do we just want, like, hey, I just want life the way I want to live life? No. The devil's never going to play fair. It's all out commitment. All out commitment. Commitment to obedience. Commitment to fight the enemy in Christ's strength. Commitment at any cost. That's the belt of truth. Amen. Second one we want to talk about today. The second piece of the armor, of course, is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Put on what? The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Yes, commitment is important. Dedication is important. It's vital. But you've got to complement that with the breastplate of righteousness. Think about it. A Roman soldier, yeah, he puts his belt on, got his sword. He's not going to run out by himself like that. No. He's got to, still got to put on the breastplate of righteousness and the other stuff. It's the same thing. You've got to learn to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as I was reading this, and it's not just now, but I've always wondered, is one piece of equipment, one piece not equipment, of the armor more important than the other? I don't think so. They're all equally important. They all serve different functions. If the body, he uses the example of the body, which is different with different functions, it's the same thing right here. 
I know some commentators used to say it's the order in which, you know, he mentions it in the order in which a Roman soldier got dressed. And I'm like, highly unlikely. You know, he's, you put on that big old breastplate, it's going to be hard for you to reach down and tie your own shoes. So it's not going to happen. It's not that order probably. But anyway, that's just me thinking. They just, the truth is this, it's simple. They have the same value because they complement one each other. If you have, if you lack one, you're missing the whole. That's the point. If you lack one, you're missing the whole thing, the whole package. Anyway, think about it. The breastplate covered the most vulnerable part of our body, of the soldier's body. And sometimes, of course, the breastplate was made out of this very heavy cloth or leather, thick, hard leather. And often they'd put metal on, you know, st- uh, stitch leather or whatever pieces, what, I don't know, chain links or whatever. You, you use your imagination, you get it. Very often the leather, and of course they have this metal chain uh, all over them fitted, and sometimes they'd use these hard, uh, I think they used to use these hard ram's horns too, you know, the outside of the horns that are so hard they'd put all that and whatever. Make it pretty pretty strong, and, and he, it was very often, most often it was a piece of metal that they pounded into a plate and they put on. Right, and very often tailor-made for that person, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting, you know. You have all these; most of them look really fancy, you know. Got this ripped eight-pack or six-pack, whatever, you know. But then they take it off, and what? You never know what's inside that thing. But on the outside, it looks really good. But it's 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 kind of funny. But you know, it, it's true though. You you can survive. I mean, you can get shot in the leg or the arm, but you take a shot to the middle portion, your chances of survival are less. But anyway, he says, what? put on the breastplate of righteousness that protects us from the arrows and the spears or whatever, the hammers that come uh, at us and protect our vital areas. By the way, uh, again, too, I've heard many sermons and I've been guilty of preaching. You know, the breastplate, and, you know, it's only the front part of, you know, it's only in the front. And so you don't turn around and, and run because it's not at the back. And that's great sermon, but not historically accurate. You know, because the devil's not, I mean, the enemy's not going to wait. Hey, wait for you to turn. Turn so that I can hit you in the front and protect. No. When you're fighting hand-to-hand, sometimes you have your back turned. Someone's going to try and attack you from the back. So it essentially was always two pieces of metal that were either attached to the strap. I mean, you look at any armor now that they have recreation. It was two pieces of metal that were attached to the sides or you had them overlapping at the back. So I know sometimes I wish I didn't preach that sermon, but it sounded so good. Don't run away from battle because the devil's going to get you in the back. There's no armor at the back. Highly unlikely. Anyway, I don't know why I went down that trail, but uh, it's one of the sermons like you. Thank goodness they weren't recording on the internet back then too. But anyway, let's go. What's this breastplate all about? Righteousness. Now again, you've got to understand the context in which Paul is saying it. Because, of course, when you talk about righteousness, there is only one real righteousness, correct? That's the righteousness of Christ. Absolutely, that's all there is. We are covered by the righteousness of Christ because true righteousness belongs to Christ. We don't stand firm in our own righteousness because our own righteousness, Isaiah says, is what? Filthy rags. Therefore, we need his righteousness. That's what we use in theological terms, the imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness, the righteousness that comes because of our faith in Christ. And Paul talks about that in Philippians 4, that we don't stand in our own righteousness, we stand in the righteousness that God gives us through faith in Christ. 
Okay, so that's the idea of righteousness that he gives. But when Paul talks about it here, I don't think he's talking about that kind of righteousness. Highly unlikely. Because he won't tell us to put on that righteousness because that righteousness is a gift from God. You get what I'm saying? That righteousness is a gift from God. It's not something that we can put on. God gives that to us. When we are saved, we have Christ's righteousness at all times covering us. Why would he say put that on before you go to battle if that's something he's already given us? So again, don't get me wrong, just small semantics here and there. Yes, we have that righteousness, but what he is focusing on is a righteousness which is right relatedness with God and righteous living. That's the focus. Our dedication to living righteous lives. Our dedication in terms of a whole art commitment to the battle, but also our dedication and commitment to living holy lives and having a right relationship with God. We've talked about it before. If you've been in, I mean, and I always, righteousness in the New Testament talks more about having an authentic relationship with God, not being perfect. Because we will never be perfect. That's the righteousness of Christ that covers us. But the righteousness that the New Testament writers write about most of the time is about having a real authentic relationship and pursuing that relationship with God. Though we falter, Christ's righteousness covers us, but we pursue that relationship with God and live holy lives. It's never about perfection, but that's what we put on. When we are committed, when we put on the, the breastplate of righteousness, as he is talking about, he is saying, hey, your commitment to living lives like Christ. Be holy as I am holy. Peter talks about it later. I mean, and if all people, Peter should know, in one night he denied Jesus three times. And if you ask it, count it totally in the Greek, it's almost six times he blew it in that one night. But he's the one who says, hey, we've got to pursue righteousness. That's the point. A commitment to living righteous lives also. Never about, again, never, and I'm never putting that pressure on you to live perfect life because the Bible never tells us to live perfect life. He talks about living a life that earnestly pursues Christ and his righteousness. Doesn't mean we go do our own thing and settle. Again, that settle is not in the Christian dictionary at all. We can settle for a little of this, little of that. No, it's all-out commitment to the battle, all-out commitment to pursue His righteousness. That's what we put on. Every day when we wake up in the morning, we put on the armor of God. It's committing ourselves. Hey, I'm committed to the battle. I'm committed to live my life righteously. With With a real authentic relationship for Christ or with Christ. And also practical righteousness a commitment let me put it this way a commitment to living a life of obedience in accordance to god's word that's what righteousness is talking about commitment to living lives of obedience to god as revealed to us in his word are we going to get it right every time no we're not that's why christ's righteousness covers us but we have got to make that decision every day when we put on the armor of god I'm committed to living a life of obedience. That's the breastplate of righteousness. A right relatedness to God which flows and flows into holy living. That's the breastplate of righteousness. If there's a weakness in that armor, you know, we use that phrase, you know, there's a chink in the armor. 
whatever, acts of disobedience, wrong attitudes, unforgiveness, unconfessed sin, you're leaving room for him to come in. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Be committed. It's not about making mistakes. It's about coming back to God and trusting in Him. Amen. That's the commitment as we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Living a life, holy life, a righteous life. Living it in obedience to God. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the armor of God. It starts with that total commitment and the demands to righteous living. We'll talk about the shoes and everything else as we keep going. But as I close, I want to read Romans chapter 13, verse 11 onwards. And, do, and this do knowing the time, that it is already the hour, I'm reading from the New American, sorry. Already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us when we believed. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, we're close to the end. We're close to the end. You can't quit on that fight now. You got to daily wake up and fight. Recognize we are in a battle. A battle that Christ has already won. But it takes all out commitment on our lives today. If we want to enjoy the life that God has promised. Living a victorious life with the joy and the peace and the rest and the blessings that he has promised. We have got to be totally committed to fighting the fight and put on that belt of truth. Put on that belt of truth and wear commitment, commitment to the breastplate of righteousness. Your, your preparedness, if I can use that word, for the battle will determine whether you live a victorious life or you just live a life just the way it is. It's not about salvation here. But he's talking about living a life. And life in abundance. Which he wants for each one of us. But we can never do that unless we're ready to fight. Unless we're committed to righteousness. Bow your heads with me at this time. How you prepare for the battle determines whether you will live a victorious life, a victorious Christian life, or you live life in, I can use the phrase, the doldrums, you know, where you're just stuck in the middle. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, the ships that are right in the middle. There's nothing. They're just stuck. And many Christians settle for that life. Many people in church settle for that life. There's no joy, there's no peace, there's no rest. They're constantly discouraged, you know, just blown around with whatever's happening. No, but God wants us to stand up and fight. We are all called to be soldiers in the kingdom of God. Get that belt on. Total commitment to the truth. 
But more than that, be committed to the battle. Be alert, like he says in Peter. Be prepared. Tuck in those loose ends. Don't settle, oh, that's just who I am. No. That's part of building into the breastplate of righteousness, that commitment to take care of those loose ends. Oh, I can never be perfect. You know, I'll just, whatever is, you know, I'll just keep going. God's grace. Come on. want to win your everyday battle that's a question you've got to ask yourself do I really want to win and live a victorious Christian life if I want to I have got to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness righteousness we're talking about do I earnestly pursue a relationship with God earnestly pursue a relationship with God which which kind of flows into living a holy life a life of obedience to the word that's where it comes from don't get, don't get it the other way around and we've talked about it so many times it's not when you do all good that you have a relationship with God no it's when you have a relationship with God that's when you start to get your life together What's our commitment to the battle, church? The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Let's all stand our feet and worship Him.
that we don't fight, we don't stand in our own strength, God, but we stand, God, in your strength, in your mighty power, Lord, that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper, God, that the enemy will not overcome us, God, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that defeated the enemy, God, that same power lives in us, God, Lord, and as we come to every day, God, we put on the full armor of God, God. We wear that belt of truth totally committed, ready, God, to fight what you have called us to fight for, God. Lord, we are committed, God, to righteousness, God, to living lives of obedience, Lord. We are committed to this battle, God, because we want to live victorious lives, God. We're not going to live lives, God, just without any peace, without any joy, Lord. We want your peace, God. We want your joy, God, Lord, your victory, God, that you have promised us, Lord. We thank you, God, once again, Lord. Thank you for your promise, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, once again, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord, we praise you, God. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Church, this battle is real. This battle is real. The victory is ours. It is ours because of what Christ has done. That's the ultimate victory, that we will not be destroyed. Yes, God preserves. He preserves what he has started. He finishes what he has started. But how we live our everyday lives depends on how we fight these everyday battles. You can't win this battle sitting on a couch. You've got to be ready, prepared, put on the full armor of God. Totally committed. I'm ready, God. Tying up those loose ends, tucking it in. I'm ready to run out, God, to fight, Lord. Lord, and I pray, God, that we will, God, grow in our commitment this way, God. That every day, God, we rely on your strength. We do our part, but we know, God, that it's you who strengthen us. It's you who train our fingers for battle, God. With you by our side, Lord, we know we have won. Give us the strength, God, like Paul encourages us, God. Give us, God, the strength, Lord, every day to put on the armor of God. We don't cower and run away, God, because we're scared. Because the greatest power ever is ours in Christ. We stand in that today, God. Thank you, Father, once again, Lord. May your word come alive in our hearts as we face every day, Lord. May we know, oh God, that we don't fight alone. We fight in your strength, God. But give us, oh God, the discipline, the ability, God, to do our part. Put on the armor of God. Thank you, Father, once again. Thank you for your word, oh God. Lord, we pray a blessing, oh God, once again, oh God. Upon Fritz, oh God, we pray. and so grateful, oh Lord. For all the veterans of God in this church and the family members of God who've been part of this church, God. We thank you, God, for God, their commitment to God to defend our freedom, God. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray a blessing upon them and their families today. Thank you, Father, once again. Be glorified in our lives, God. Be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God is good, church. Hallelujah. The victory is ours. The victory is ours. Amen.